0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to This lesbian ship is Intense. I'm Katie. And I'm V. And yes, what you see before your eyes is true. We are back to do the final episode of First Kill. Can you believe it? We're finally here.
1: We said we were going to do it, and we're doing it.
0: <laughs> yeah, we... Um, want to eliminate any hopefulness for a special surprise early on oh, yeah, because we do not have a special guest with us for this episode recap. We were working very diligently at getting one and it was a long process but our schedules were just too contradictory and it was impossible to make happen essentially no matter how hard both of us tried.
1: There were a lot of efforts made Um, you know, we weren't just like, I don't know. I I just like, I don't feel like we were taking our sweet time. I think we were just trying really hard to make it work. Um, And unfortunately it, it didn't work out. um, And we wanted to make sure that we did wrap up our recap reviews of first kill. And this seemed like a really appropriate time because you should be listening to this on Halloween.
0: Yeah. So since we, we, Took some time getting this out. We thought it would be fun to cap off our fun with the show on Halloween and celebrate the show a little bit. Um, so we're excited to get into it. It's been far too long and it's it's bittersweet. It's a bittersweet feeling, not gonna lie. Like it's nice to accomplish something and go on a whole journey with the show, but you know, with the news that it's canceled, it it does feel a tinge sad.
1: Well, there's like just a lot of sadness, I feel like, because so we're sad because um, the show got canceled. Uh, and also this episode is really sad. like we're like emotional, yeah. I think is maybe the appropriate word. Like I knew that I loved episode eight and then it made me emotional. And but like the rewatching to prepare again for this, like I was just like, why am I doing this again?
0: <laughs> I know I thought the same thing because. Um, My notes for the show were taken weeks ago when we started this whole back and forth thing and um, I rewatched this episode obviously so I could be you know up to date for the podcast and it had been so long since I last watched it I was like why am I jumping into the saddest episode ever This is like this is not the parts I wanted to become acquainted with the show again for you know what I mean
1: but it's such a good episode. It's such a good episode.
0: I know. And we had the pleasure. I don't think it's in any recordings that we put out, but we got the pleasure of telling Felicia D. Henderson to her face that this was one of our fa- favorite episodes. And she was like, thought we were like messing with her. But we were like, why? Why would we be messing with
1: you? That's right. Because she wrote um, episode eight. Right. And so she thought that we were just kinda, yeah. like uh, um, kissing her ass. <laughs> And yeah. like, no, exactly. no, 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 no. We are being very serious here. This is the best episode. So emotional. We loved it.
0: Um, I can pull up my tweets, ma'am, and show you <laughs> that <laughs> I said this before I talked to you. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a juicy episode, I guess. Like, it's fun to dive into because there's so much, but it's like emotionally a, a tough one. It's a tough cookie. Um. But just before we get in the episode, I want to give our girl Mocha Band a shout out because she dropped her new song and music video and she's the coolest person alive. So you should definitely check into that. Follow that if you haven't already.
1: Oh, and if you're not following her on Instagram uh, still, you really should be because she does lives occasionally. And that always makes me really happy when she does a live
0: I know if I'm available, like I was available for one of them, but not the other. And I was like, no, I'm missing my mocha band's time. Um, So, yeah, she's a treat to follow. And, you know, we're going to be sticking with this cast. We're going to be watching future projects when we can and showing our love to them and our appreciation. So keep keep your eyes uh, peeled to their to their socials so we can keep up with them. And I think the the next thing we should do is jump into the episode. What do you think?
1: Yeah, let's get into it.
0: Okay, so we are recapping episode eight of First Kill called First Betrayal, written by Felicia D. Henderson and directed by Salim McKeel. And also, Felicia talked to us about how she and this director, like, brother and sister, like, they're really close. So they had a really awesome working relationship making this episode. Um, so maybe that's where why we love the episode so much. You know, they were, like, on the same wavelength making it.
1: Did you take note of that or do you just remember that? I just remember that. Oh, you're so good. I, like, don't remember that. I'm like, oh, that's so good to know. <laughs>
0: I have a really good memory about things that don't matter in my life, <laughs> and then the things that do, poof, gone. You know, it's just how it is for me.
1: That's uh, really funny.
0: Um, so we open the episode with our Shakespearean quote of the day, um, and it's all about loving moderately. And if Shakespeare really believed, you could love moderately. And I don't think he did. I mean, just as a personal aside, I think he understood the pains of love and the only way to avoid it was to love moderately. Not that you actually
1: could. Isn't that like, um, like a, I don't know if paradox is the right word, but like, I just don't feel like love and moderately, like they're antonyms. Like, I just don't think that you can yes. love moderately.
0: Yeah, I think it's like prose for like the pain of love. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Which is why it's interfered in our, um, our Romeo and Juliet love story, because clearly Juliet and Cal have a hard time with that concept. Um, and I just gotta say, there's something I really love about, like, the rallying cry of the show of, um cal and jules is like this love moderately quote that is like shakespearean but it's been applied to like these two teenage girls and a vampire and a vampire hunter you know what i mean i was like yes we will live on through lesbian supernatural like yes star-crossed lovers
1: <laughs> i i think that that's fun <laughs> that's what i would say is it's fun i enjoy when uh things like that don't you know, like, they don't go together. They don't make a ton of sense. But well, I don't want to say they don't make a ton of sense. I just mean you wouldn't expect them to go together, you know?
0: Yeah, it's not obvious why people are doing that, you know? Yes. <laughs> and then um we enter the episode with Cal and Juliet um entering the bar and looking through the, the bathroom and going to the last stall where... Cal finds Apollo holding Theo and Apollo is struggling to remember what happened. Their parents are looking for them. It's all a very heightened situation immediately to start the episode.
1: Oh my gosh. I know. So when I was doing the rewatch, um, I didn't, I had forgotten that we start episode eight with them going in there and finding Theo like bleeding out, um, you know, dead. And so I was like, Oh shit, we're starting heavy um also i really Same. don't know why that <laughs> i don't know why that woman was just like they're having a party that last i'm like blood equals party like whimpers of death is part like what are you talking about lady
0: <laughs> i just feel like this was a joke that was meant to like kind of lighten the episode because it's so mm-hmm. heavy yeah and it's just like <laughs> we're like not there we're like okay something is happening for real down there you know <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean she got there it, with her lipstick. I was like, who are you? Why are you in this bar? Like, leave right now.
1: <laughs> well, I was gonna say, like it, it spurred a bunch of theories about who this woman is because exactly why are you there saying, you know, there's a party in the last stall? Because people thought that it was um the vampire who killed Theo's mama. Like he saw the series, right?
0: I don't think I saw
1: that oh. process, but that's an
0: interesting thought i feel like um there would have been more um evilness like surrounding her like with the music and the lighting and like everything if she was like a character that was yeah but i mean i'm not against theories like that
1: yeah it was just it's so funny because i think that you're right i think it was like a like a a mood lightener but we're all just like who are you for what purpose are you there what's your history you know trying to figure out more listen listen theo's dying
0: it's serious we're in investigation mode okay <sighs> um and as they're you know trying to figure out what's happening and it appears that theo is dying apollo starts saying the guild creed to theo and Cal's like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing that? And Apollo's like, come on, Cal. Like, this is serious. And Cal starts joining in. And then Juliet tells them they have to go. Um, Apollo and Cal say their goodbyes to Theo. And um, Cal, like, kisses his hands. And it's all just very intense and sad.
1: Oh, oh my god. Yes. So like the song that was playing, it it says haven't we lost enough? And I was just like, oh, pain because I think that like they have lost stuff, you know, like Mike and Sarah died, but I don't think I really felt the gravity of what they are losing or like the their struggles in their family until Theo is there and like Apollo feeling just so lost and not knowing what to do and kind of reverting to like guild religious aspects where he's reciting the creed. Um, And like when Cal picks up his bloody ass hand and like gives it a kiss, like I'm just like, oh, that feels so I think just like it really made me feel the pain of the loss where like you just love a person so much because it like you know a bloody hand. I wouldn't want to kiss it, but you know, but like, you know, it's her brother and she's mourning his death.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, a lovely way to, uh, it may be lovely. It's not the most uh, appropriate because it's a little bit morbid, but it's a way to show us like the power of love, right? Where you're doing things in the moment of crisis that you wouldn't be doing like every day with people and um, it definitely gets their relationship across and it's also just absolutely painful that they're having to leave him in a bathroom stall because they're hunting for Cal literally at this moment. So it's like we can't lose another sibling. Like we have to get home and um come back out but it's just a little bit like no one wants to be doing that no one wants to leave their brother there and then cal and Juliet share um a hug which is this is truly like our last moment so let's savor that right now where (laughs) Juliet's trying to be like supportive and is like i'm gonna keep my phone on me and like i'm gonna be here for you um
1: and I really appreciated her saying that because I find that I really struggle with what to say to people when they're experiencing either loss or like um, like a lot of sadness because like I don't necessarily want to say I'm sorry because like I didn't do anything and it's just like I'm sure like everyone says I'm sorry and so I don't know how to convey like I'm here and I care um in a way that can be received and so Juliet saying I think she said something like you know, like, I can't really do anything, but, like, I'm going to have my phone on me and it'll be on, like, at all times. Like, I just felt like that was such a great way to be like, I'm here, I care, I'm, you know, like, whatever you need. I really loved it. I don't know how you felt about it.
0: Yeah, I really appreciated it. I mean, I mean, that's literally all you can do because... um what what else are you gonna say in that moment of crisis anyway so and she did a good job like she's not making about herself at all like she's there for Cal and I guess that's the key when you don't know what to say just make sure you're not making it about yourself Still, (laughs) and then it'll be all okay um And Juliet, of course, takes it upon herself to clean the bathroom with some bloody paper towels, like just smearing that blood all over the place in that bathroom.
1: Well, I was just like, you know, at least she's like cleaning it up because she didn't have a lot of great. I mean, she left her phone after she bit Cal. You know, she hit the stake in the bathroom with like people who could smell blood. Like, you know, so like I was just impressed she was doing anything
0: that she has learned i guess this is like a vampire progression it's like she's learned to cover up some tracks at least by the end of the season um and she grabs the steak which is good um because the steak impl- implicates the burns family whether or not they did it like you know what i mean because they're the ones who use them so That was smart of her, I think, to take that. And then on her exit, she finds Eleanor's lipstick outside the bathroom. And she looks around and I think goes back inside is what we're left to believe. But I'm wondering why she decides to go back inside when she finds the lipstick. Like, do you think she's looking for Eleanor in the bar? No, she hears the heartbeat. Oh, you think that's why she goes back inside?
1: Yeah. I think she, I think that she sees the lipstick and is like, what the fuck? Like Eleanor did this. And then you can hear the heartbeat very faint. And I think she's like, fuck, he's not dead. So she goes back to him. Oh, I thought that was the music. No, it's the heartbeat. It's like a faint heartbeat, but it's a heartbeat.
0: Well, damn. It's been how long with my love of the show. And I never thought that before. I was just like, okay.
1: Yeah, I was like, it makes me want to rewatch it like for the hundredth time. <laughs> but I'm so I know uh, I'm super wow. certain because I remember my thoughts were, how is she barely hearing his heartbeat right now? I was like, you've been there cleaning up his like body all this time. Like you didn't hear his heart that entire time.
0: I wonder if um, since she's kind of a, a young vampire, if seeing Eleanor's lipstick made her vampire senses, like, come full force. Um Yeah, maybe and- she was, like, and- tuning in more. Yeah, and so then she heard it and was like, fuck, let me go back in and see what
1: I can do. Oh, maybe, yeah, yeah. Damn it, Katie, now I want to watch this episode again.
0: <laughs> I know! Uh- <laughs>
1: and
0: then Apollo and Cal get back to their house They're talking outside about what they're going to do with their parents. And Apollo's like, I should tell him. Theo's gone. I'm the one responsible. He can't remember anything. So they take a breath and they go back inside after all of their angst and their stress. And what do they see? But Theo sitting at the dinner table, absolutely hamming it up. Like Theo is... Acting like he just popped an Adderall and Apollo and Cal are like just shot to their core.
1: He's okay. I'm so fucking thrown by this. Okay. He gets there before they do. (laughs) He's in clean fucking clothing. He seems to be fine. He's not like questioning things, acting weird. I mean, he's acting weird in the sense that I think this is the liveliest I've ever seen Theo like it was so abnormal for me to see him in this way. And then he calls her Callie. Why do you like why do you think they did the Callie thing especially?
0: To show that it wasn't Theo, Theo, that they knew. Like something is different. It's not like Theo just healed up from the the wound and is himself again. Like they're clearly wanting you to know like something's different with him um so i i would guess that and i guess you know they talk about him being newly turned and extra sensitive so i guess he just ran there with his super speed and got it together it's a little bit unsure of like he did all that not knowing he was truly a vampire yet though you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like so there is definitely a little bit of mystery i want like a a vlog of Theo's journey from the bathroom to the house.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I wonder if it's like kind of like being drunk, you know, or just like, what is reality? You know, like black out a little bit, maybe, you know, being a new vampire. Who are we to know? We've not experienced <laughs> that. And
0: um, there's just a lot of funny interaction. I mean, this brings the comedy a little bit to the show because uh, enlightens it a little bit with how heavy this episode is. Because everyone, Cal and Apollo, are shocked about Theo. Jack and Talia are oblivious to what's happening. And Theo is, you know, acting weird. So it's all a little bit of comedy because no one's saying what they're thinking. Um, We find out that the Guild got Cal cleared as a person of interest. So Cal is not in harm's way at the moment. Um, And then... (laughs) I just thought it was funny when his dad was like, he could take down a bodybuilding vamp, but not a little heartburn as as Apollo, like, goes to check on Theo. Um, as someone who
1: suffers from heartburn, I was just like, Jack, <laughs> it hurts, okay? It's uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> Listen, I'm at the age now where at least one of my friends showed up to the party has brought... <laughs> Tums with them, okay?
1: <laughs> like all oh, your friends are more responsible than me and mine. <laughs> I'm just like oh, suffer.
0: <laughs> oh no, it's being brought so we can have a good time, okay? <laughs> um and Theo is in his room and is really struggling, and he's super sensitive to light, and he finds out he has teeth, which is quite the moment and he's starting to flash back to what happened in the bar and he sees his bloody clothes. So he's becoming much more aware of the situation.
1: This reminds me with like my being a little bit of a hypochondriac is like whenever I see something <laughs> that I'm like, what the fuck is that? Has that always been there? Is that normal? Like, you know, like if there's anything like, like a mole or something on my body, you know, <laughs> just like <laughs> that kind of investigation. That's what like it reminded me with you or he's just like, are these my teeth? What's happening to my teeth?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then Juliet arrives home at the Fairmont Mansion as she almost crashes Range Rovers with Eleanor. And um, they ask, you know, if Juliet's hangry <laughs> uh, because she's not as fed or whatever. Um which I just think is a funny touch from Eleanor. Like she is just not in the mood to deal with Juliet. Um but she's picked the wrong day to just blow Juliet off because they storm into Eleanor's room, and for a bit of levity, the door slams right in Juliet's face, which gave me a little bit of a chuckle. I'll have to uh, I'll have to admit that. And I also really found it cute. Like, I know Juliet is really mad, but her ponytail is just, like, swinging back and forth as she's marching after Eleanor. And, you know, you don't ever see her get that angry, so it's a little bit adorable, I have to admit.
1: I didn't actually notice her hair swinging until everyone on Twitter was talking about it. And then all I could see and I was just like, oh, yeah, that is funny, which is really annoying. Like, if you're a person like there's just like some people that when you're like pissed off, they don't take you very seriously. And it's just like, you will take me seriously. Don't look at the ponytail swing.
0: (laughs) Yes, I want to be taken seriously at this moment. Um, And. You know, Julia is just pleading to Eleanor like Cal is devastated. Her family will never recover from this. And and Eleanor is like her family. What about your family? Like you are viewing people meant to hunt us as more important than your own family. We're legacy vampires. And then she says, we don't follow the rules. We make them. I am who we're supposed to be, essentially.
1: Yeah, I mean, oh, I thought it was like really hurtful when Eleanor says that, you know, Juliet's not caring about her own family. But I also I guess what I really thought about was that Eleanor is such a complex being because she just had an ordeal of an evening, which obviously Juliet like doesn't know what's happened that led them to that place. But knowing everything, I'm just like Eleanor just wants to be cared about, too. Like she seems so cold and heartless in all these ways, but like how aggravating is it that her sister is you know bucking tradition is not um seeing how amazing they are that she's aligning with like essentially a family that's not the hers and theirs and kind of like rejecting eleanor um and then on a night where like eleanor i mean she couldn't have been killed i mean really but like still getting attacked like that's that's still a thing
0: Right. I mean, they start, the Burns brothers did start it. They attacked her first. I mean, Thea was a little bit out of line for that. And, you know, she, did she have to go to the results that she went to with them? Probably not, Mm -hmm. um, to gain the upper hand. But like I said, they attacked her first and she, we know she's, um, can be a bit aggressive, so you know when she's sparked, she's going full
1: force. You'll have to remind me. Um, in this scene, do, do, is this the one where she like, is it one continuous scene where um Eleanor gets pissed and shoves her up against the the bed?
0: Yes, I think it's the scene. It's a continuous scene. You Juliet says, "You are a soulless murderer, and I am done with you." And Eleanor Eleanor puts her keys away in front of Juliet. And says, all of this because you couldn't stay away from them like you were supposed to. And Juliet says, I'll never forgive you for this. And Eleanor says, you better hope I forgive you.
1: Okay, so, like, I really loved... Is your twin your only sibling? No. Okay. Um, I feel like we talked about this before. But, like, for me, this scene just, like, really reminds me of, like, my sister and I a lot. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I am the youngest. And so I grew up kind of, like, a- I like adoring her and like my sister was known as the bitch of the family and she knows this. So like, you know, I adored my older sister who was really bitchy and mean and not very like, kind. Um, and <laughs> then it's like, this is so like very much our dynamic, I feel like. And so um, I can just really relate to Juliet, like having this moment of like, just like snapping and just being like the person that I idealize is actually just kind of like disappointing. Um, And I can also relate to, like, Eleanor, like, like, telling her, essentially, everything's your own fucking fault. And like, you're gonna walk away pissed off right now. And you're you better hope I don't fucking come for you like next. And when Julia gets so pissed off, she like knocks all the lipsticks on the ground like that was also super relatable to me where it's like, you know, you just have all of this like pent up energy and anger. And it's like you want to fight, you want to hurt the person, but you also don't have a lot of power to do it. Um, So I don't know. I thought this was a really great depiction of some kind of fucked up sibling dynamics, which I also want to say my sister is less of a bitch now. We have a healthier <laughs> relationship. <laughs>
0: I mean, I think that's a really interesting point because I do have an older sister that I did idolize as a child as well. And I think, you know, as you become an adult, you talk a lot about like realizing your parents are human and having to view them as human beings and not your parents. And that like idealizing starts to change a little bit. And I think, honestly, it probably happens first with an older sibling, like where you're like, okay, I have to see you as a full being and not just my older sibling that I love and adore. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think this is that moment for Juliet where she's seeing Eleanor as who she really is and not just the version of her that Juliet gets. And then cal back at the burns house cal wants to go check on theo and so of course she's like falling in line with her parents super easily and they're like what's happening here where is our argumentative daughter that can't be separated with the from the girl she's in love with like something's off but they can't say anything to her because she's doing what they
1: want so yeah yeah exactly i would just be suspicious i mean i think i would go two ways but like is the severing like just kicking in? Or I'd be like, what the fuck is going on? Does she have a second phone? Is the girl in the bedroom like, I know there's something because no way would Cal give me that phone so easily.
0: Juliet dramatically
1: <laughs> rises from the bed. Um, You know what I'm talking about? She just like sits up. <laughs> that was like classic, like vampire. You know, like I feel like yeah, horror does. vampire movie was just like dead asleep and it's just like suddenly awake. <laughs>
0: Exactly, that's what I was thinking. Like, the direction in this final episode was pretty fire, I have to say. Yeah, um, it just makes me think about like the potential for future seasons if they really lean into the vampire side of Juliet more. You know what I mean? It could be so fun. Um, and then, of course, for a little bit of drama, Juliet sneaks into Eleanor's room and shows her
1: teeth as the song The Monster plays. Okay, look, I feel like everyone really fixated on uh, Juliet's um, ponytail swishing, but I was really fixated on this scene in this outfit where she's like, what are you wearing? Like, it felt like something you'd wear. Like, I felt like, like, as a flight attendant, like, I don't know, going, like, I just feel like it's like a safari. Yeah, like, it's like, it's like, like, that kind of vacation-y type look, you know, where you got the little necker, neckerchief? (laughs) Is that like scarf tied around your neck? I don't know how to call it. But anyways, yes.
0: I totally agree. And then I also like how it's like she's a monster. She's tapping into her vampire side. She's going after Eleanor and then cut to her cuddling Oliver on the couch and crying. <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: I know. When I first saw that, I was just like, okay, so you have big plans. And then you were just like, <laughs> I can't do this. But then she pulls that key out. And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, you're going to have Oliver do it. You're like, you know, your dirty work. <laughs>
0: And Oliver's, like, coming alive, you know? He's, like, raring to go. Um, and then we see the SWAT team, like, go to the storage locker. Then they show up at the house. And Sebastian is yelling, you know, don't fight, don't say a word. And Margot and Eldor are just, like, sucker-punching officers. <laughs> like... <laughs> For some reason, that makes me laugh every time where it's like, all right, the D.A.'s vampire family is just going to sucker punch some SWAT officers. Uh,
1: I mean, it makes sense. They're like coming at the like. Keeper of the Malkia keeper in waiting, like the whole goal of protecting. They're just like, this is a this is a dire situation. It calls for punching them. It's like the jig is up. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and it's it's just like funny because, you know, it's like I I bet the SWAT team wasn't anticipating that, you know, showing <laughs> up at this house. Um but we have, you know, One of the big moments of the episode, I would say, whereas Eleanor is getting dragged off dramatically and she looks behind her and you just see Juliet at the top of the steps, like looking down at the chaos that she's created, you know?
1: Oh, yeah, that was such a good scene visually, like, like Eleanor Getting like pulled away in her pajamas completely disarmed unprepared like not ready not poised and Juliet just staring in her outfit so composed so I like I want to use the word evil but I don't even know that that would be like an accurate word but like you know she she planned she executed and it was just such a strong look.
0: Like, it's kind of like the mastermind thing, you know, like, look at the what I've orchestrated, what I've created, and it's tapping into that potential. And, you know, I think this scene really is what stems the hopes and desires for a dark Juliet, you know, to tap Mm -hmm. into that side of things a little bit more. So it was a big moment. And I think, yeah, I think it's the scene that really makes people want to see more from that side of her and see that explored. And then back at the Burns house, Cal and Apollo are listening in on Theo's room. And Theo's like, he was dead. (laughs) Like, what is going on? But Theo is making some serious noise in that room. And Talia shows up and bursts right through that door. And Theo is, like, crying blood. He's an absolute mess in there. And Jack and Apollo, like, grab him and tie him up um, as they drag him downstairs. And it's quite, quite visceral and troubling to watch.
1: I think, like, what made me really emotional was when Theo was like crying in his room is like he cries out for his like his mother like he cries out and i'm just like i don't know if he's i think he he calls talia mom right yeah yeah so he calls out for her and i'm just like oh even in this moment you know where like he doesn't know what's going on he might already be thinking that he's turning into a vampire talia sees him like crying blood looking a mess like but that bond, you know, like it's just like my kid is crying and my kid is crying for me. Like, let me wrap my arms around them and we will figure this out together. like that just made me so emotional. And then like when Jack like comes in and drags him downstairs, like to tie him. Um, like my heart is just like already like going so um, like in so many places, it's just like ripping already.
0: Yeah. And I think that's. Something really important, and it's a small detail, but helps elevate what goes on with Talia and Theo through the rest of the episode where he's like crying out for his mom and it's Talia there, you know, and that's who he looks to in this moment of need. And she can't just turn that off, you know, like once that's been activated, I don't think she could see him in any other way. And it's nice to see that perspective from Theo's side as well when he's going through this. And, you know, Talia's trying to get Cal to go upstairs so she doesn't see him like that. And Jack's like, you should stay and see what vampires truly are and that he's not her brother anymore. And then, you know, emotions get heightened because Cal's like, what do you mean? Of course he's my brother. They're all crying. Um, Theo's yelling for Cal as Talia takes her back upstairs it's it's quite the emotional roller coaster.
1: Yeah, and I really love Theo calling out to Cal too, because I think it highlights their relationship. Um, and I think you've pointed it out before, like the relationship that Theo and Cal have. So love that. I'm pretty sure it's in the scene that Cal also like yells at Jack, which is just like, how can you say that? You know, when he says like this isn't your yeah. brother anymore. And like I loved the way Mocha delivered that. Like, oh, that tore me. It was just like, yeah, how can dad say that?
0: oh yeah i mean this is the moments where you start to as an audience i think really turn on jack like i can understand him being a truest you know to the guild and and aligning with his beliefs from an objective standpoint but when you look at the family and how hard this is all for them it's like it tucks in your heartstrings you know you're like jack okay you're being a little harsh here like they have just been confronted with theo being turned into a vampire and now you're all of a sudden
1: like uh well he's gonna die (laughs) you know what i mean
0: like it's it's a lot
1: (laughs) oh well my son's already gone Now i just have to kill the body
0: (laughs) yeah it's a lot and also you know it's pretty uh rough given that cal has had her ongoing romance with this vampire to be like this is what vampires truly are and it's like her her brother just like crying and struggling you know i don't think it's necessarily like a great representation either at that point as making him evil you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and then eleanor is at the station chatting with a detective and she wants a lawyer of course um and she's being nice and snarky uh as she waits for her lawyer feeling very confident that things are going to work out her way in the end i would say um until oliver walks in pretending to be her lawyer and um eleanor is like how did you let Juliet rope you into this and oliver says you know you gave her a reason to hate you. You underestimated her.
1: I feel like this is like the start of my kind of like confusion with what's happening with the family. So like Oliver walks in and pretends to be her or like doesn't pretend to be her, her lawyer. That's what I thought originally. Like when he walked in, I thought he was pretending to be her lawyer to like just come in and taunt her. Um, And I mean, and I, mean I guess he is in essence, because I don't think he's really going to like be her lawyer and try to get her out. Um, <laughs> But I, similar to in the end when Eleanor was shocked at the end of their conversation, I just couldn't believe that, like, the family hadn't already intervened. So, like, the entire conversation that Oliver has with Eleanor, it gives us a lot of insight, um, although I still want more, into their background. But I think I was very much there with Eleanor in a sense of confusion as to why he was there. I might be just kind of jumping ahead. (laughs) <laughs> with my I
0: think, process. well, process no i think it's really we don't understand oliver's motivations throughout the season so much other than like exposition and so this is the moment where we're being like confronted with all of it and i don't know that it's enough to be honest so i think that's why we leave confused because we get some insight essentially that he wants revenge Because he blames uh, Eleanor for being sent away. And we start going into all of these, like, moments where he's, like, killed things um, throughout his life. And it's Eleanor's fault in terms of how she's manipulated him.
1: But I just, did she use her, her, like, powers on him for him (laughs) to do it? Like, this is what I want a lot of explanation on is because I am, I'm still really confused because, like, yeah, cl- he clearly blames her, he calls her a soci- sociopath. It's clear that he feels like she manipulated him to do these things, but he does take responsibility where he says, like, I did kill the turtle with my little five year old hands. And so then he mentions, like, the therapist where he's like, you know, you kept saying to me, drain her and you won't have to take those pills anymore. And so, like, I'm just, it's so difficult because. I mean, why was he not making a kill? Like, isn't that a rite of passage? Aren't they all supposed to make a kill in order to become the vampires? And I mean, she wasn't lying. You know, if you don't make a kill, you keep taking the pills and something's going to happen. You know, like, I'm just. And
0: this is, this is where it all gets a little precarious because. He, he took the fall for her being sociopathic, right? Apparently. Um, And all of the things that he did are things that she wanted to do. But yet he is exiled, right? And she's not. And yet, now that she's caught for, like, killing a bunch of people. Where, it, or, like, her family was concerned about Oliver being crazy. <laughs> like, they're not concerned about Eleanor for being, like... A killer. Essentially, they're more like upset that she tarnished the family name, and it's like, oh, she like stepped out of line, and she's gonna learn. You know what I mean? It's not like yeah.
1: you're a just- murderous
0: psycho. <laughs> it's just like so. Con- it doesn't. It doesn't align necessarily.
1: Yeah, and that's like, what does it make sense to me? Because I'm like, y'all are vampires. Like, why is Oliver gonna get in trouble for killing us? His- I mean, was it like not a smart kill? Absolutely, but like what's the big deal you have to feed Eleanor Feed like I just don't understand and like you know like I would say non-vampiric children who kill an animal I would be very concerned for their sanity and well-being and safety but it, does that hold true for a vampire like I just don't I don't understand here
0: yeah I struggled as well to really get it and You know, they are twins, and so I you see a little bit of like a twin evilness going on, but I just need more. I think I don't know that it's I think we we want to understand more about the exile and and what we do learn just brings up more questions, I guess, and answers. And so we're just sat here wondering. But Oliver makes it clear why the family's not there Mm -hmm. essentially you know Eleanor thinks they're still coming and Oliver is like "Uh, they've already left you in here just like they left me nothing matters more than protecting the Emerald Malkia and I'm really gonna love watching you burn and no love lost between them still so um, we're setting up Eleanor being left by her family in
1: prison after killing a bunch of people so
0: wonder how she's gonna get out of this one
1: (laughs) yeah and i think i was there with eleanor like i think i was also waiting like i thought that oliver like jumped the gun like he just jumped in to try and like tease her before the family came to save her and then he went through it all and i was like like oh shit they're leaving her
0: Yeah, same. I definitely thought he was just in there as like an appetizer, you know what I mean? And then the family was going to come in. Um, But she's actually in quite the pickle, it turns out. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, we get some dramatic montage of the girls like crying and (laughs) cleaning up and being a mess. Um, And we go back to the Burns house Where Jack is pacing in front of their like gun cabinet in their living room. And Talia is like, Can you please relax? And, you know, she's saying, You know, when one of us is weak, the other one of us is strong. And Jack is like, Which one of us is it? And, um, Talia's like, uh, you're really not considering using this. And Jack's like, I'm not letting this stand. And Talia says, surely you're not talking about killing our son. Because over my dead fucking body. There you made me say it. You are not killing my child.
1: Bitch. Oh, yes. I loved Talia, like, saying that. Where she made it very clear clear like it there are going to be problems if you pursue this um and i think i liked it in this moment because i felt like it was really clear here how this parallels when a family finds out that their child is queer and they are not okay with that you know this belief that by kicking them out by not supporting them is taking care of them and doing right for them and this continues but jack believes that by killing what is this vampire in his son's body is the right thing to do. And Talia is like, he is our son and always our son and we will love him no matter what. And we have to figure out what to do with this whole vampire thing. Absolutely. But you can't kill our son. Kind of like someone who is, you know, like we can't kick out our child. We can't abandon our child. We can't denounce our child. Like they're still our kid, regardless of whether or not we understand or agree with being queer. Yeah. And I
0: mean, the idea of, jacked flipping the one of us has to be strong when the other is weak on talia really is illustrating like how indoctrinated he is into the belief of the guild and of the monster hunter and how truly evil he sees vampires just in general so he can't possibly um view that as his son still Um, I think it's very well illustrates that it doesn't make it easier to stomach, but I think that's really showing us the difference and how in that position, he does think he's being the strong one while Talia is being weak and falling to the like monster side of things, you know, the second that Theo is touched. So they're honestly, um, shout out to, um, Robin and Jason here, because they really have some scenes in this final episode mm-hmm. where they are from the opposing side of things, and they're they're trying to meet in the middle. Like, I think it's clear that both of the characters want to be on the same page, but they're not on the same page. They want the other to be right along with them, you know what I mean? and and they are not getting there,
1: okay. So, the next scene is Margot and Sebastian, right?
0: Which, in, which in contrast, <laughs> is fucking hilarious, okay? What do the Burns do when their child is in trouble? And what do the Fairmonts do when their child is in trouble?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure this scene is sandwiched in between two, like, intense Talia this... and Jack scenes. So it's just like, <laughs> oh, really? I I just have to laugh.
0: And... <laughs> in- Sebastian ponders, you know, if this happened because he's a human and they made, you know, vampires with the human, you know, blood, and and Margot's mom always said this would happen, and um, Margot's like Eleanor is gonna have to learn some lessons on herself. She stepped out of line. We have six months until we have to meet with the council, so until then. All our focus and hopes are going on Juliet. You know, young love never lasts and yet Sebastian reminds her that theirs did. I thought it was so weird that she said that. Why would she say that? I think because the Emerald Malkia is now dominating her point of view. I think it's like the opposite of um, Jack and Talia, like where Jack is sticking on the guild side of things and Talia is starting to soften. Like Margot is aligning strong with the Emerald Malkia now that she is, you know, the host or whatever. I I could
1: see why she would say like, Juliet is our focus and hope now, even though I think that's kind of funny and fucked up. (laughs) Um, But like, I really don't understand why she said young love never lasts. When I'm like, are you not considering that your love lasted like it just it just seems like she such a weird is, thing to say
0: she's the keeper of the emerald magia things are different for her <laughs> <laughs> apparently but I mean I agree because it's it's a, a quick shift for her Um, and honestly I am fascinated at what it would look like with them trying to make Juliet like the the face of the Emerald Malkia. you know yeah. what I mean, and the lady in waiting. I think that would be kind of interesting to watch. Then, in contrast to their children's woes, you know, like they got two kids trying to take the other down. They have, they have, you know, Juliet at an absolute state, and yet they're trying to get it on. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> just completely different than everybody else.
1: Yeah, I really did not get that. I was just like, how are you thinking about sexy times right now? (laughs) And then,
0: you know, a council, they're like raring to go, right? And then a council rep arrives And they are questioning Davina's fitness as the Emerald Malkia in two days. And, you know, they doubt she's going to be there to defend herself since Sebastian ate her. So they're going to have to figure out something.
1: Oh, I know. I really don't understand how they're going to get themselves out of this whole, like, the fucking, like... Davina's been eaten, and the Emerald Malkia seems to be residing within Sebastian. Like, I just don't know where we're gonna go with all this.
0: <laughs> that <laughs> what that part for me is the thing I'm more um interested in because I'm like, yeah, okay, you can say that Davina's dead, right? Like, mm-hmm. you can figure that part out. But like, if the Emerald Malkia is in Sebastian, <laughs> how do you then get it out of him? to prove something i mean we've got a lot to learn here yeah and then in contrast we go back to the burns house who are not about to have sexy times <laughs> and-, and talia throws the glass near jack and says you stay away from my fucking son and that is the delivery of the episode for me
1: Oh, my God. It was so great. And I love it, too, because, like, Jack is, like, sitting and he appears to be calm. Like, it like nothing's being said. They're just looking at each other. He's, like, looking down and she's looking at him. But, like, she knows her husband well enough that she knows that he's just not doing anything right now. But this is not dead. This is not over. And, like, all of that, like, pain, rage, frustration, everything. She just, like, hurls it in that glass. And, like, ooh, what a scene.
0: So... Downstairs in the in the burns layer, Theo is really flipping out in the chair, and Apollo's like, "Does it hurt?" And he's like, "Dumb question. I shouldn't be asking you that right now." But he's really struggling, and he's like, "I know this is my fault. I really wish I could remember what happened." Apollo's able to tap into a few memories from this and remembers that Eleanor is involved. Um, but then. Theo catches Apollo distracted and chokes him. And Apollo says, are you going to kill me? Do it. I deserve it. Which is pretty heartbreaking that he's um, taking it so hard.
1: Yeah, he thinks it's his fault. Like, I mean, he can't remember. And he's there holding his brother bleeding out. Like, he's drawing the conclusion that it must be his fault. And he just feels like shit. Um, And I'm sure that that's got to be so much worse because he doesn't know what happened than if he knew what happened. Like what you come up with in your head, you come up with like a million possible explanations. They're all awful. So I feel for Apollo so much.
0: It's it's something that's been building up for him, his recklessness, you know, and so he's thinking that, oh, that finally caught up with me. Like I really made a mistake and put my brother in jeopardy. And now this has happened. And so he's just on that spiral that you can get in sometimes. I think anybody can, when you kind of push things a little bit farther than you know you should have. Um, but the actual reality is like this is not Apollo's fault. This is really Theo's fault at the end of the day. Um and so it makes it almost more heartbreaking that Apollo's taking it so hard because for once it wasn't his fault.
1: Yeah, I mean, oh, it's just it's oh, it hurts. It hurts so good. Um, <laughs> us talking about this just makes me feel like funny going into next thing I have to say, which is that so Theo like breaks out and so he starts running. And, like, oh my God, do you know what it reminds me of? That like that? It makes me think of when, like, either toddlers or like a pet gets the camera phone in their hand and they're running. And it's just like, <laughs> like maybe it, does. So hard. it
0: really does. You know, the, a, and you could argue, I guess, because Theo's like a newly turned vampire, he is like a child. Yeah. <laughs> and it is, it senses, but it is. It's like when I'm FaceTiming with my niece and she's like running all over the house and doing flips yeah. and everything. Yes. and I'm just like oh my word what have I got myself into today like that is that's Theo and for sure
1: every time it happens I just like laugh so hard
0: <laughs> it's funny I can't I can't deny it it cracks me up too and then to like add a topper he like just knocks Juliet flat oh, yeah. out you know <laughs> she's running out the door just like bam, bam. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so funny um
0: and then you know this leads to apollo and theo fighting in the front lawn i wonder what their neighbors have to think about what is going on at the bird's (laughs) house um and juliet you know comes to (laughs) and and interferes (laughs) and says wait you know he's confused he's a newly turned vampire everything is super sensitive And then, you know, they kind of try to throw a dig at Eleanor, like, you know, she, she knows how this goes, but Juliet keeps going and says it's impossible to quench the thirst until he drinks from the one who made him. And then she sticks out her hand to Theo. And I have to be honest, the first time I was watching, I thought that it was because of Eleanor, not Juliet, up until this very moment. Like, I had no idea that Juliet was the one who turned him.
1: I would agree with that. I would agree. I think that my interpretation had been she saw the heart stopper lipstick. She heard the heartbeat. And I was like, shit, Eleanor turned him and he's just coming back. And so that was my entire interpretation. I mean, I would say that I even ended this still believing that that's the truth. But Juliet mistakenly believes that she, you know, like, I don't really know what the truth is.
0: I think I believe it's her when she sticks out her hand. But literally until she stuck her arm out and says mm-hmm. the one who made it, I thought it was Eleanor the whole time. It's like, okay, we got to wrap Theo up and go over to the prison cell again <laughs> <Get, get laughs> to get Eleanor to bite him. You know, like, I was split fully second on. In you you're planning <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, going through the phases of, like, what's going to happen now, you know? And instead, it's Julia. I mean, plot twist. Plot twist mm-hmm. right here for sure. Um, I don't think anybody saw that coming. And I think um, I think I remember reading from an interview or something that Sarah Catherine wasn't necessarily, like, sure that Juliet would do this at first. I think this was it, that she felt a little bit weird about her, um, Juliet doing this um, to Cal's brother.
1: Um, well, I mean, I'm still like, okay. So the, so we're going to get into this in a minute, but, like, they essentially, the way that they talk about it is that Juliet knew there was a chance he would become a vampire, as in it was not a 100% guarantee. Her goal was to help him die um, and not, like, you know, struggle, struggle through his death and pain. And so she wasn't trying to make him a vampire. She was trying to help him die. So, like... It's not like Juliet chose to make him a vampire. I don't know. I just don't feel that it's, you know, I wonder if
0: I, and I don't think she did choose. I think it's like, yes, if you, there must be something in turning someone Mm -hmm. where like, if you don't drain all of their blood to kill them, they can turn into a vampire like that. I think we need to learn more about how vampires are turned in this world to truly understand what Juliet did. Um, but if it that's my interpretation, I would think that maybe Theo losing so much blood from the stab wound interfered with how you would drain someone just normally. And that's why Juliet like couldn't tell, you know, whether he was dead or not.
1: Um, I'm going to Google. How do you traditionally create a vampire? So my, my Google yeah, samples.
0: like <laughs> I would be really curious to dive into that aspect more, but essentially it's just a rookie mistake (laughs) like that's really it (laughs) um but i think this is supposed to be the lesson of you know this is kind of what julia gets for fighting being a vampire for so long she Mm -hmm. became the thing that she never wanted to become because she didn't fully learn about who she was, you Mm -hmm. know? And it's like, if you don't really know who you are, you can't really determine who you will become in the world, you know? Um, and so I think this is like a painstaking lesson for her that she's having to learn. Like, this is who I am and I need to know how I operate to to get, to get through the world. I need to go ahead and pull out baby's first kill book and flip through it. (laughs) And see how this goes, you know?
1: Yeah, my Vampire 101, yeah.
0: So, I I think that's it. It's hard because it's not an intentional decision. Like, Julia is not... It's a mistake, essentially. And, you know, I think there's a certain point in your life where you have to realize like, even though you're, you made a mistake, you have to face the consequences of that decision in life and figure it out. And this is like the transition from adolescence to adulthood. And, and Juliet's having to come face to face with that, like right here, you know, mm-hmm. then of course, Cal's here for this moment and happens to witness it. And it's like, Wait, you are the one that did this, and I thought it was a very intentional decision that Jack and Apollo take Theo away, and Jack drops the spear on the lawn for Cal instead of bringing it with him.
1: (laughs) Oh, god, yeah, I think you're right, and I'm sad that it was used like you know, that it it it, it would have never been touched. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it was quite painful. Um. way that it was used too um but that's i think that's a small element to show like the burns family bonding where jack's like you know what to do without even a word being spoken you know Mm -hmm. um and and Juliet tries to defend herself you know she's saying like he asked for my help we flash back to her going back to find him and him saying help him You know, so she feeds from him to try to drain him, as she says, so he could die with dignity and says that Eleanor is responsible for Theo's death. But Cal's like enough playing innocent. You knew that there was a chance this could happen.
1: That hurt me. Did that hurt you when Cal said stop playing innocent?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, basically everything that Cal says to Juliet here is painful
1: Yeah, for sure. Everything is. I find that this was one of those things that like isn't, um, you know, like clearly a mean thing to say. But like stop playing innocent just felt like such a dig at who, you know, Juliet is as a person, you know, like saying. I I feel like it's almost like the equivalent of like being called stupid, you know, like um, stop pretending to be this stupid, naive, innocent thing that you're not
0: <laughs> i think it's twofold like i think it's it's painful on Juliet's side because it's like a lot of the things that she loved about Juliet is like now being turned against her and that's yeah. what it, it feels like here when she says enough playing innocent but i think that that's honestly how cal is feeling because she's so hurt and feels so betrayed she's she's like for you to do this it couldn't have been an accident you know like this has to have all been a game like she's she's really in such a hurt place that everything is being flipped on its head for her
1: yeah, um i'm actually like starting to laugh right now because um I, I think like you've probably experienced this and i'm sure i've talked to you about it where like i can do or say things that are really inconsiderate sometimes. And like, it just kind of like flies over my head and I don't realize <laughs> it. And like the amount of times like, cause my wife and I have been together for like a very long time um, where she's just like, If someone were like, you know, if I were an outsider to this, I would not believe it or understand it because it just seems like how, how could you be that inconsiderate? How could you truly not realize this thing? She's like, but I know you. (laughs) And she's like, and I know that that is 100% true. Like you really, really just did not think that through. You really did not hear the words coming out of your mouth. And I'm like, it's true. I just want people to know I'm not mean. I'm just kind of stupid sometimes. (laughs) yeah so so i guess
0: yeah and they really do build you up to believe like Juliet could be naive enough to do this like the the groundwork has been laid throughout the season that she's pretty naive to the workings of, of vampires and and the weight of that and now it's all kind of hit the wall for lack of a better term um and and then basically Cal is, is fuming and she's like, why are you still standing here? You've turned him into the thing that he was raised to hate and trained to kill. um, The thing that killed his mom. And Juliet like can't let it go. You know, she's, she's holding on to what she and Cal had. And she's like, I love you. I know you love me too. I will. Sp-. And then. And then to top that love declaration off, Cal goes, I will spend the rest of my life trying to find out how to kill you and every legacy like you.
1: Oh, my God, this is just all so much like like so much pain, like and I understand where Cal is coming from. And like, yes, like you turned my brother into the very thing he hates. And that's awful. Um, But I'm also aching because I'm like, the alternative was he was dead. Like, can we not figure out how to live with a vampire? You're in love with one. Like, so I'm really just so sad that this is happening right now because it's so painful. And then my heart aches for Juliet because you're right. She's clinging desperately. She's just like. You know, she's trying to explain herself. That's not working. She's being called like like she's playing innocent. And so all the last thing she has is like, remember our love, like remember our love and put all of this aside for a second and let's figure things out. But Cal's so deep in pain she's, you know, her brother's (laughs) like going to be killed or he's a vampire like this is not a good place to be. And so. We go from, is my heart safe with you? Like, one day you're going to figure out how to kill, you know, legacies. And Cal's like, you know, you're safe with me to suddenly, no, I will be the one who's actively figuring out how to kill you and all of your family.
0: Uh, And it's just like, it's tough because I think if you, uh, like, all along, Cal has had a hard time reconciling Juliet with the fact that she's a vampire you know Mm -hmm. and I think in her head the way she was able to do that eventually was to just view, view Juliet as different and like almost like disassociate from her vampire self you know and not really reconcile with what that means for her to be a vampire and in contrast, I think Juliet um, probably did the same for the monster hunters. Um, because you could see like Cal would talk sometimes generally about monsters in a way that would kind of hurt Juliet. Yeah. Um, But Juliet would kind of write that off instead of taking that literally like she's a monster hunter. That's why she's saying that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think it's a two-way street with how they were doing it. But at this very moment, they're confronting both of those things together and what that really looks like and that's why it's so hard it's like okay you're a monster hunter you know and and julia it's like if it'll make you feel better you can go ahead and stab me with that spear even though you know it won't kill me yes oh my Woo, god i can't
1: believe that like, yeah but forgot to like say that like so like when cal picks up the spear and like you know puts it there you know that's what leads to the whole like cal's saying that she's going to figure out how to kill her but like when she picks that up, just like symbolically, you know, it's like this is how much I'm like done with you. And then Juliet is just so like, you know, like giving. It's just like I don't care about myself. All I care about is you. Like do that, put me through pain. I don't care. You know, that was just so like this. Oh, this entire scene was just so wonderfully emotional. And I forgot that my note for this is in all caps. Juliet give her some space like just walk the fuck away and let her process for a minute please
0: but I think it's true like even though a lot of people had a hard time with Cal saying like I'm gonna figure out how to kill you and every legacy like you I think the sign here is that she doesn't stab Juliet. And so since she doesn't go through with it, she has to say like the worst thing she could think of, you know, to Mm -hmm. get her point across. So her words are like a little, a literal spear in the chest. You know, that's what that's meant to represent. So I don't think it's really reflective of what she wants. I think it's reflective of her heart being broken. And she's like, doing whatever she can to make herself feel better, even though it's really not making her feel better. But like, that's, that's the train she's on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then we have Jack locking Theo up and saying, we're going to put him down tonight. Like, dear Lord, it's just too much for me. And Theo's pleading with him and, and Jack's, like, you know, we promised that we would avenge his mother's death together and drink this scotch. And if I really love him, then I have to kill the beast who has taken him. And meanwhile, Talia's like, I'm his mother, Jack. Like, he's also my child. I have been since he was seven years old. I'm not going to let you take my baby. She, ple- she, you know, goes to Apollo and please for his help. And he says, I don't want to live without my brother, but dad's right. So he's falling in line with the guild. And Talia then says, you know, I will stand by you if this is what you believe, but my heart is definitely against this.
1: Okay, so I'm already tearing up, which like I'm normally a super emotional person, but I also wonder if it's because I'm on my period. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to keep that in the podcast. Um, but like, oh my Girl God. Same. I feel you on that. <laughs> <laughs> this is just so emotional where she's just like, I've been his mother since he was seven. Like, this is her son. She doesn't treat him or view him any differently from her biological children. And oh, when they start doing like where she says to Jack that she wants to do it alone and he's like, no. She's like, well, let me say my goodbyes. Katie, like, I'm already, like, seeing their faces together in the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, my God. She's like, I love you with my whole heart. And she kisses his forehead. Like. Fucking like that, like that this moment is the best part of this episode. I. I. It's so wonderfully emotional and just shows like the power and connection of, you know, familial bonds and I just I did you know I knew she was going to run off with him. Like I knew she was I knew not. she
0: was I knew she was not going to let him die. Yeah. I was like this shows the reason, well, I love this scene for a lot of reasons. I think you get a clear vantage point of all of the characters and it sets up the Burns family for an interesting dynamic in the next, in the next season, you know, mm-hmm. because you understand where Jack is coming from. Like he refuses to separate the beast from the body. You know, it's the same thing for him. Apollo, I think, is so disheartened you know like the only thing he has left after getting into this situation with his brother is the Mm guild, and to like pour his heart and soul into it like I really think that's where you would see him in the next season like becoming more indoctrinated into the guild after what he's seen Mm -hmm. with Theo um and I do like his goodbye to his little burns brothers forever with Theo that got me a little bit too
1: can't oh, I lie. Want to say, you're, you're so right about like Theo or Apollo for a next season because it was reckless, reckless, reckless. And then he believes that his recklessness, because he doesn't remember, led to um this happening to um Theo. And I could see how that would really turn him into like, I need to be more serious. I need to be more focused. Look at what vampires do. Yeah.
0: And then of course we have Talia, which she is this is it's so. The scene is very moving to me because it shows the true power of a mother's love and the links that they're willing to go for their children and it's something that always gets me emotional anytime i see it like in my career even on a personal note like i've seen like moments of true like bravery in motherhood that like really gets me emotional sometimes like to see what mothers are capable of and what they do and that's like the epitome of Talia here where she realizes she cannot negotiate with Jack any longer. Um, She's going to have to go with a different plan. And she, she does, she tells Jack what he needs to hear so she can do what she needs to do to save her son. Um, And when she goes up to him and says, you are everything to me from the first time I laid eyes on you, you know, you will always be my heart, and I love you with my whole heart. And she kisses his head, and it's crying, and I'm crying. I'm just like, I can't handle this. Too much. It's one of my favorite scenes in the whole show, I think.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely.
0: And then, you know, to contrast this to sadness, we have Cal like crying and screaming, and Juliet crying in the car um and she's like turning the music up to like drown out her sorrows and i was wondering if like she's trying to a, a part of me wonders if she's turning the music up because of her vampire hearing like she can still hear cal and so she's like trying to drown that out
1: okay so when i watched this I don't know that I thought about that. I was too busy sobbing over what happened with Talia and Apollo and um and Theo. And so then Yeah, we're
0: still- recovered and then we go right to the scene
1: yeah so i don't think i was paying attention to it with like the same eye that i might otherwise but then i just i like just kind of thought of it like you know like when you're like raging and like crying in pain like you blast your radio in the car and you're just like screaming or maybe i'm like i don't think i'm the only one who does that um but then i saw on twitter that people were saying that or maybe you're the one who told me i can't remember um about how they wonder if Juliet could hear Cal screaming and so she raised the volume to drown her out. And I was like, fuck me, man. That is a better interpretation. It's more painful. I love it. (laughs)
0: yeah exactly like I truly believe it could be either way like I don't care um but I like the more like angsty interpretation
1: absolutely
0: (laughs) that's what I'm (laughs) gonna stick with um and then of course you know we're ending with the narration that violent delights have violent endings therefore love moderately and we're getting all of these Caliat flashbacks you know to make the sting hurt worse um, which, you know, I'm not going to complain about a little <laughs> bit of drama sometimes. Yeah, like feed it, feed the wound. Let it you and more. I both enjoy the angst. <laughs> and then, um, we go to the ending scene where Talia is dropping Theo off at Oliver's and she tells him, you will always be my son. I know you have to feed, but don't hurt anyone. Uh, you know who to look out for. You're tra- a trained warrior. And she points, you know, to his heart and's like, never forget, you're human in here. And Oliver takes Theo away and says, You're the best mom I ever met, Miss Talia. I'm happy to help.
1: Oh, I'm like, I'm so emotional. Just like, it makes me think about like, A parent giving up their child like for adoption or something, you know, where like, you know, she's giving up Theo to Oliver, someone who can take him in, keep him safe, teach him all of these things because she can't keep him safe. She doesn't know how to educate him on this. She doesn't know what to do. And so she's doing all that she can, but she still loves him and doesn't want this and doesn't want him to forget her. And so, like, my heart is just so emotional. I think I forgot to say this earlier. But I was thinking about, like, you know, keepsakes that you give, you know, hoping your kid like will remember you. Um, and I was thinking about the whole, like when they were fighting when Theo had gotten out of the house was the silver that had gone um around his kills. Um, and I just wanted to like point that out because I'm assuming that's gonna scar. And like, I just think that it's a visual representation of like the two sides of him. You know, she's saying to mm-hmm. him, like, remember who you are. you're human in your heart. And so this whole like who I was, who I am and combining the two, it's just an emotional moment, man.
0: I know. And, you know, Theo would probably have one of the most interesting journeys in uh, season two, trying to like atone for who he was as a monster hunter, who he now is as a vampire. Um, You know, I think it would be quite the journey for the Burns family to start learning the humanness that can be at play with these vampires um and it's a lot harder to kill someone when you don't think they're a monster anymore you know um when you see that there's good in them too and so even if um it takes a minute you know they Talia will always have in the back of her head while well, Theo's a vampire and Theo is good. And Theo's has a good heart, you know? So mm-hmm. I just think there's a lot there. Um, and I think it's very interesting how Oliver says, you know, you're the best mom I ever met. And this is why I'm doing that for you. Like he sees the links that Theo that she's going for Theo and she's seen the links that she'll go for her children before. And, He's not seen that before from his own parents. Um, Although I think uh, he is a bit misguided (laughs) in how he is uh, living up to that because he takes Theo to the backyard and is like, welcome to your new family, brother. I came back to Savannah for one reason, to ruin some lives. We're going to run this bitch. And his backyard is filled with a bunch of freaking monsters.
1: So yeah, I, I do wonder how that would play out in a season two, Um, you know, with Theo figuring out how to be a vampire under Oliver's guidance when Oliver is trying to destroy his family for what's happened. <laughs> yeah,
0: I just like like things aren't the same um so it's like where would theo fall you know would he be on the crazy Oliver side and go that way or would he just be like you know the roommate that's like oh he's up to something crazy i'm just gonna mind my business you know what i mean like Uh, i don't know
1: but but like but this leaves this in such a good place for like the finale like this like for a season two which is why we're so upset is this leaves us in such a great place for everyone
0: it's a really interesting place because Oliver is a threat to both the Fairmonts and the Burns. And so they have kind of like a joint, it's like a joint antagonist almost, you know? But yeah, Theo's there. You have Cal and Juliet at odds with each other. I mean, it's it's a very interesting place to leave the the season in for sure. Um, and you know, it gives the opportunity for more mystery you know more monsters to learn about we didn't really dive into too many of the monsters that exist in this world in season one
1: you know Oh yeah there are all these things in that backyard i was like okay who are you what do you do
0: (laughs) it really makes me want almost like a buffy style where it's like you know the monster of a new episode where you get to learn Mm, about you know (laughs) a new a new mythical beast in the world but yeah, it was a great ending, a, a nice suspenseful ending. It leaves you wanting more. I would say I don't know how else they would do it, but I my one complaint about this episode is I really did think the episode should have ended with Cal and Juliet, like as like their show and they get the like final moment of the show. Mm-hmm. Um so that's how I would have preferred it to end but I don't necessarily have a problem with how it ended because I do think it is setting up the suspense for the next season.
1: Oh, that's interesting. I love the way they ended not on Cal and Juliet. And I think that it was, um, cause like, I think that it just, it reminds you of the bigger picture, you know? So like, it's interesting, you know, you'd like it with them uh, to be more focused. And I like the kind of the broader um looking out of it. um, And I think it just speaks to how the show was so much more than any one thing like you know like this wasn't i think when i usually think about shows that are family based is i think of a sitcom um and this isn't a sitcom but the family matters like these different people matter the relationship matters so like i do really enjoy that the way that this ended in a way that i think reminds us of the bigger picture and other characters
0: And we have finished our recap of of episode eight of First Guilt. Can't believe we've gotten here. At times we wondered if we would ever get here.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. I know it's been such a long time coming. And this is just like always one of those bittersweet moments where it feels really good to have wrapped everything up because, um, you know, like I like to see things to completion. um, But it's really sad because it's the last episode.
0: I know it was so fun to dive back into the first kill world again, you know, it, it brings back like all of these happy feelings, like for, especially like what the month and a half, two months that we were like hardcore in the first kill fandom world was so fun. You know, we were like talking to everybody about the show. Everybody was, you know,
1: analyzing <laughs> the
0: episodes. We got to, I mean, think about this. Like, we got to interview Sarah Catherine, Imani, and Felicia. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? What a cool experience to this show that we will always have.
1: Ugh, oh, and this just reminds me. I'm just like, the First Kill fandom, the fans, they're so great. They're so supportive. Like, I just, I, this is just me just being still aggravated. And I think that I'll always be aggravated that we didn't get a season two um i think it was deserving i think that it has a good fan base um not only in it the has sense-
0: such a good yeah it has such a good fan base i mean that's why it just gets really frustrating because it's like i literally don't know what more you want like mm-hmm. what else we could give you we did exactly what you need for a show to be successful yeah. you know it, it's just incredibly frustrating i have a friend who's like who's who's determined for the show to see its end like in story not just Mm -hmm. being canceled and she's like what about a podcast like do you think they could tell the story in a podcast i was like yeah but then you lose the visual medium of like the monster hunting which is like part of the fun and she's Mm -hmm. like yeah i guess so.
1: i just want them to finish the story (laughs) yeah there's so much more story to be told there's so much for us to understand and learn and there's just so much more
0: and this is one of those things where just to get on my soapbox again where i'm really tired of what tv has become with all of these competitive streaming networks mm-hmm. it's like and it's like the tiktok effect right where it's like i want you to go viral and have this like incredible impact overnight and if you don't do that you're done you know yeah. you get no more chances like A lot of times now, yes, things always got canceled in their first season in television sometimes, but plenty of shows had the opportunity to come into themselves over time, right? And learn from their first season, what worked and what didn't, and then make the show better. And there's so many shows that are really popular that get better with time, including Buffy, the Vampire Slayer is one of them. Several comedies are like that, like Parks and Rec and The Office are both two I can think of at the top of my head that get better with time. You know, like Mm -hmm. there's just so many shows that fit into that category. And what really hurts me the most is I feel like once First Kill knows what works in its first season, Mm -hmm. they would have really been able to deliver a top-notch second season.
1: You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I absolutely think about that. I think about how I feel as if those shows should be given like at least three seasons. Like I feel like three seasons is a good amount of time. You know, your first season um, you're just putting that out there and then you get fan response and you see what works, you see what doesn't, you see what resonated, what didn't. And then you have like a season two, at least um, to really enjoy what's there. Maybe a season three to wrap it up. I'm also a person who doesn't like when shows go on forever and ever. Um, Cause there are some things where I'm just like, how do you keep getting renewed? Um, my point being, I'd like for there to be more investment in shows in the beginning you know
0: yeah and I just don't like the idea of how things are being created anymore it's not being viewed as a creative process at all like at least previous studio heads would view television's success through the model of creation a little bit you Mm -hmm. know like now it's like I don't care about the product at all Mm -hmm. it's just like are you successful if so renewed yeah, we will not I make
1: money? Oh, well. And, and I get that money's important. I and get it, it. But, like, it's not everything.
0: But also, like, this is art in a way. Like, mm-hmm. film, television, it's all about art and creation. And, like, when you start to lose that, like, what do you end up producing in the end? A bunch of garbage, right? Mm-hmm. Like, nothing that really has a point. And that's so far from where Netflix started. It just shows how you know evil corporations are like fucking co-opt anything but that's a rant for another day i guess
1: <laughs> yeah um so like i don't know how to wrap this up
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i think too we're just kind of stalling because it's hard to say goodbye and i don't think i don't think we want to necessarily say goodbye to first kill forever we love the show we had such a good time with it But, you know, we're a podcast and we got to keep talking about new things to be able to have a podcast. (laughs) So we've got to kind of move forward in our podcasting journey. Um, But we had a great fucking time talking about First Kill with you all. And, you know, a lot of you are still loving this show. You're still fighting for this show. And, you know, I say do what makes you happy in life because life is short.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's been a really great time. And uh, this is one of the things that I love about fandom is that whenever you get really immersed in fandom, you build relationships. And there are definitely people that I follow and follow me back now. And I feel like I've gained kind of more people to my little online community through First Kill. And I look forward to us seeing each other in other shows. Um, So thanks.
0: Yeah, that's true. I feel like, you know, over time with all the different shows that we've covered, we've made new friends and um I think like most of our core our core friends were from the bold type. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we just got a slew of new friends with First Kill. Like it was awesome and the community's awesome and I'm so happy to have gotten to get to know some of you. Those of you that, you know, are too shy to interact, we still see you and we appreciate you for being on this journey with us as well. Um, And, you know, we hope to see you again with another show in the future, Um, whether it's the one we're doing right now or the one we're doing down the line. We just hope to have you along with us whenever, whenever you want to be there.
1: Yeah. So I guess that's the end of this. See you in the next one.
0: I guess so. I guess so. So you can keep chatting with us on Twitter at This Lesbian Shit, on Instagram at This Lesbian Ship, on Patreon at This Lesbian Ship. And please subscribe, rate, review, download our episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And we'll see you next time.
1: Bye, guys. Say bye. Bye. This <laughs> lesbianship is intense. Is a part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolicmedia